Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. It means so much to me that you want to take a leadership journey and take another step in that journey. So thank you for joining me today. For those of you around the world, I want to just give you two opportunities that you have to just increase your leadership potential. I have two roundtables coming up. One is in Pittsburgh, California. And in Pittsburgh, California, that's Northern California near Oakland. I want to encourage you that that roundtable is going to be gold. The people who've attended the roundtable so far this year have told me how rich it has been. And I want to encourage you that if you're in the Northern California area, this will be a moment that will really enjoy and help you. Also, I'm doing another roundtable in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area. And I want to encourage those of you in the Midwest that this is an opportunity for you to expand your leadership uh, capacity. I know it will help you. I know it will be something that will uh, give you the ability to just lead at the next level. Well, today I want to talk to you about leading and the unexpected, leading and the unexpected. As I introduce this, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. His name's Ed Bastian. Ed Bastian is a remarkable leader. He's a leader that I love studying. He's a leader that I love watching. He's a leader who inspires me. Now, Ed is the CEO of Delta Airlines. So you're talking about a company that is worldwide. You're talking about a company that, uh, creates travel experiences for people all over this world. I had the opportunity to ask Ed some questions over the years. One of those questions was this, Ed, tell me about crisis. How do you handle being in that top seat, crisis when it unfolds for Delta? Now, his responses really, really intrigued me. In fact, they challenged me. See, when Ed deals with a crisis, he usually gets to hear about it the same time you and I hear about it because it's on the news. A plane that has problems, a circumstance that's unfolding. And the difference is, is that most of us that lead organizations, when we have a problem, it tends to affect an individual. It tends to affect a portion of our organization or even if it affects the entire organization. It's not something that is being viewed by people across the world. But in Ed's case, when he has a crisis, it is usually a crisis that is coming and it is being seen across the world simultaneously. So when I talked to Ed about crisis, one of the things that he mentioned was that the crisis that they have to deal with is the crisis that they don't know. Now, think about that. You have to deal with something that's going to be a crisis, something that's going to create upheaval, and you don't even know it's possible. So one of the examples that Ed used was Ebola. Ebola being a disease that began to break out in Africa. But the problem is, is that Africa is now just a plane ride away. So what do you do as an airline? 
when you know someone could walk on your plane carrying a highly contagious disease and that disease could be devastating and you're basically carrying it from one location to another. Being able to set up the protocols, to understand the nature, to be able to get understanding of what that's going to look like. Or if you're in the airline business, what about Malaysia Flight 370? Malaysia Flight 370 had never happened in the airline business before. To have an airliner disappear, to totally disappear, to not know where it went, to not know what happened, and immediately you have passengers that are thinking, could this be what's going to happen on my flight? Or what about in Brussels when a terrorist attack goes off and it's literally in front of the Delta counters when the bombs begin to explode? See, all of those, Ebola, Malaysia 370, Brussels, they all happened and they were worldwide news. See, leading in the unexpected is what a leader has to do. In fact, the unexpected defines leaders. The unexpected moment is what really qualifies a leader to be considered a good leader, a great leader. The ability to handle the unexpected. Can you react quickly enough? Can you remain focused in the midst of uncertainty? Can you handle the sudden? Can you handle the aftermath? of what happens suddenly that all of a sudden it's there and it's now in your lap. That's what I'm talking about. Leading in the unexpected. Now, I love Ed Bastian as a leader. He's so thorough in what he does. He simplifies the complex. But today, I want to take a step back from maybe a Delta kind of crisis and just deal with the kind of crisis most of us deal with. What I want to do is I want to walk you through some biblical perspectives on crisis. The first biblical perspective is this. Don't be surprised when the unexpected happens. Don't be surprised when the unexpected happens. In Proverbs 24 and verse 10, it says, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, There wasn't much to you in the first place. Wow. Man, you talk about a proverb that's challenging. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. See, one of the things that immediately happens when a crisis that's unexpected arrives is that it is an emotional minefield. It's a minefield that's just filled with so many emotional possibilities. See, what may be news to others, oh, did you hear that this happened, is a crucible of emotions for the leader. That leader is immediately having to process all the various emotions and having to deal with them, having to confront them, having to experience them. And those emotions can run the gamut. They can be from just causing you literally to go internal to literally causing you to go external to being on one edge to the next edge, being on one end to the next end. That's what emotions can do. 
Now, here's what I know about leadership. It's not wrong to have emotions. But if you're going to have emotions, you're going to have to navigate them skillfully. And what I've usually found is this. Your first emotion cannot be your last one. See, when the unexpected happens, sometimes our first emotion is fear. Sometimes our first emotion is uncertainty. Sometimes our first emotion is frustration. So one of the things that leaders know is that your first emotion doesn't have to be your last emotion. So if you went back to the book of Chronicles and you saw Jehoshaphat and you saw that five armies were coming after you, it said that when word reached him, he was afraid. That was his first emotion, but that wasn't his last emotion. See, the first emotion doesn't have to be your guiding emotion because the next thing it says, he stood in the midst of the people and spoke. He got control of that first emotion and he began to guide it. He said, this is a crisis. I need to work through it. So your first emotion doesn't have to be your last one. Your first emotion may not be your best emotion, but quickly move on to the next emotion. So don't be surprised when the unexpected happens. Another thought, keep your head in the game no matter what. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2, it says that you be not soon shaken in your mind. It says, don't be shaken in your mind. What is this referring to? Mental paralysis. Just when all of a sudden something happens that wasn't expected, your mind is receiving so many inputs and sources of information that if it's not built into you, you will let your mind begin to shake you up. There's a phrase that we have for it in our society. It's called a deer in the headlights. When all of a sudden you're seeing something you're not used to seeing and it's so intense that you freeze. See, a part of leadership in crisis is don't allow your head to be overwhelmed by the moment. Don't allow your head to be overwhelmed by the moment. I've spent a lot of time uh, reading books and many of the books were about survival and crisis situations from the highest end of politics and the nation to everyday life when you're thrown into a mixer of life and you're not sure how things are going to come out. But one of the things, regardless of the kind of crisis that people will talk about is the number of people who literally freeze. They just freeze in the moment. They don't do anything. They don't know what to do. They don't know how. The information overload is overwhelming them. And so they literally freeze. Well, in life, you've got to be able to create an environment of active bias, that you're biased towards action, that you don't let the moment consume you and overwhelm you, so you lose sight of what you can do. See, when crisis comes, 
you have to beat the learning curve. You know how the learning curve works, that it's this curve. And it shows people who don't get it, people who do get it, people who get it at a high level. But you've got to beat that learning curve. And what that means is when you're in leadership, you have to learn faster and you have to learn better. So one of the things that I've learned is to expose my mind to crisis orientation moments, to read about people who've lived through crisis. For Mayor Giuliani on September 11th, when the two towers went down, it was having read Winston Churchill's book about London being bombed during World War II. It had prepared him to react to an unbelievable, unimaginable moment. It had created an environment where he was able to think in crisis. So what I can tell you is this, keep your head in the game no matter what. Stretch your head to understand. Learn from everyone. And the learning that you learn today will position you for the unexpected crisis tomorrow. Another thing is go to school on others. This is sort of like the next step. In Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 9, it says, instruct the wise and they will be wiser. This is the individual that just takes advantage of what's in front of them. The ability to look at who's ahead of them, what's in front of them, the environments around them, and to be able to learn from them. And again, as we mentioned, Mayor Giuliani, the ability to look at other people, what did they do and why did they do it? What did they do and why did they do it? In military speak, they have what they call war games. Now, war games are those times when they try to create a battlefield experience and they will set two competing armies against each other and they war game. They say the enemy typically does this. What do you do? But when you do that, they're going to do something totally unexpected. So if you go out to Fort Ord, you'll find that there is this giant war game facility. Well, what are they trying to do? They're trying to say the best way to learn is to learn from others. In the Air Force and the Navy and Marines, the aviation parts, what they call it is Top Gun. They call it the red flag games. They're all learning opportunities where they're taking and they're learning from previous combat missions so that when someone goes out on a mission, they're in a position where they've learned as much as they could from others. Well, in life, your job is to go to school on others. So when someone's going through it, watch them. When someone's been through it, listen to them. When someone's made it through it, learn from them. That's what happens if you're going to be effective in crisis. You go to school on others. Another principle is create options. Just create options. In Matthew 12 and verse 7, it says, if you had any idea what the scripture meant, and then it inserts, I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual. I prefer a flexible heart. 
See, when you're dealing with crisis, flexibility is your friend. Your ability to adjust quickly, your ability to take the nuances of information, react to those as more information comes, be flexible to re-react, and when more information comes, to have another reaction. Years ago, there was a story of a ferry in South Korea. This ferry in South Korea was carrying hundreds of people on it, but it's going to sink. But when it begins to sink, what's going to happen is what we talked about others is people are going to begin to freeze. They're not going to do anything. Here's the one thing I've always taught my kids. I said, you don't know when you're in a crisis, but when you're in a crisis, create the most flexible options that you can. So if you are in a ferry that's beginning to take on water, do you want to stay interior or exterior? You want to get exterior where you have more options. You can stay on the boat. You can jump off the boat. You can swim here. You can swim there. And see, there are stories about individuals who said no one told anyone what to do and the people who froze died, where other people just got up and they created options. They got to the top of the boat as the boat was beginning to sink. They got where they had the most options. Here's the thing. When you're in crisis, create options. What gives you the most options? If you're in a room and something, God forbid, happens, where do you sit that creates the most options? If you're going to be in a scenario with people where something negative could occur, where are you as far as being able to articulate a thought that will give you the most options at this particular time? Create options. So... If you're going to handle crisis, there's got to be options. Next, control the clock. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16 says, redeem the times for the times are full of evil. We tend to think of evil as wickedness, but really that word is, it's just filled with busyness. And so it says, can you find time in the midst of busyness and use that time in a godly way? What's it saying? You've got to be able to control the clock. You have a clock. I have a clock. Can we control it? In crisis, you've got to be able to control the clock. When it comes to airplanes, again, they give you the safety instructions when you get on a plane. They point out where the nearest exits are. They point out how you can follow the lights because if something, God forbid, happens, the lights on the floor are going to light up when other lights are going to go off. They're going to dim the lights on takeoff and on landing. Why is that? They want your lights, your eyes accustomed to darkness. But do you know what? They know that they can evacuate a plane in 90 seconds. That's their goal. How do you evacuate a plane in 90 seconds? Now, you've boarded planes and you've watched all those people that seem like they can't do anything, well, they can get off in 90 seconds. And people say, how can they get off in 90 seconds if they can't board quick? It's called motivation. When a plane is in trouble, people are motivated to get off of it. And so what they know is their whole plan is a 90-second plan. So most people will survive. 
Now they've got to follow some instructions. One of them is don't take luggage with you. People who die carry stuff with them. People who lose the clock are too busy taking care of things that don't matter. It doesn't matter if your bag gets off the plane. It matters if you get off the plane. If you don't get off the plane, there's nothing in your bag that really matters. Controlling the clock. Can you control it? Can you get ahead of the clock? When events are spinning out of control, can you get ahead? Another thing is, if you're going to handle the unexpected, you're going to have to go against the current. I love this in Isaiah 43, 16. It says, the Lord makes a path through the sea and a road through the strong currents. See, what most people will do in a crisis is not probably what you need to do in a crisis. See, most people do not react well in a crisis, but there will be a handful of people who do. But these people are willing to go against the current. They're willing to do something that others aren't willing to do at that particular time. And so what I know about crisis is you've got to go against the current. And then lastly, when it comes to crisis, you need to understand that you're not alone. Hebrews 13 and verse 6 so that we might boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man will do unto me. And what do we know? He said, he will never leave you or forsake you. Here's the thing. If you're going to handle the unexpected, don't be surprised when it happens. Keep your head in the game no matter what. Go to school and learn from others. Create options. Flexibility is your friend. Control the clock. Get ahead of the events that are unfolding. Go against the current. And then remember you're not alone. God's going to help you. Well, this is a very simple lesson. And really, it's a takeaways from a dear friend, Ed Bastian. He's a great leader. He's a great Christian. He's a man that I admire. But these principles, they transcend Delta, church, They work in your life, my life. They'll work. They're how we can begin to be guided in crisis. Again, let me say to you, if you've never gone to Gerald Brooks Ministries, uh, com and looked at all of the dates of events, all the resources as far as books we have, please do that. And also, if you have never signed up for my Twitter account, uh, go and sign up for it. Every day I'm communicating little thoughts about leadership, and they go all over this world, and I want to encourage you to be a part. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Do me a favor and tell a friend about it. If you know anyone who's dealing with crisis, why don't you just copy uh, this particular podcast and send it on to them? I think maybe it'd be something that could help them. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.